Today's episode is proudly sponsored by the Rising Tide Mastermind. The term mastermind was originally written in Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich. Before that, the earliest documentation that we have of a mastermind group was Ben Franklin's group that he used to meet every single week in a tavern that he called Huntus. Nation, there's no doubt about it. Life is too short to do it alone, and it's not very much fun to do it alone in. Nation, I urge you to go to scalinguph2o.com and find out if the Rising Tide Mastermind is right for you. I'd love to have a 15-minute call with you to explain all things Rising Tide Mastermind and see if this is a group that's right for you and you are right for the group. Go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind. Welcome to the Scaling Up H2O podcast, the podcast where we scale up on our knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. I'm your host, Trace Blackmore. And Nation, just the other day, I was at an event and somebody came up to me that listens to this podcast and said that we needed to change our tagline from scaling up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems to the voice of the water treatment industry. And I thought that was just an amazing compliment. So thank you for sharing that with me. I truly believe that you, the Scaling Up Nation, are the voice of the water treatment industry. And that voice is united with this podcast. It's my hope that this podcast allows you to know that you are among a nation of people that do what you do, people that experience the same things that you experience, and it's through that nation. And by the way, that nation is growing each and every episode. We're getting more and more people downloading the Scaling Up H2L podcast, and we are growing where on this globe people are downloading those episodes. So thank you for all of our new listeners out there. And we have those new listeners because of the voice, because of you, because you are sharing to other industrial water treatment professionals that there is a podcast out there for them. And it's my hope that you feel connected to a tribe. As I just mentioned, that tribe is called the Scaling Up Nation. And together, we are making water issues disappear. Because we are learning more about water, what our options are to use it more efficiently, how we can make sure we're making ourselves the best self that we can be so we are able to absorb all of this new information as we're learning how we can be better at enhancing the ways that we use water. And of course, understanding that it's our job to make sure this valuable resource is always available for us to use. Because when we're out of it, or if we can't use it, a lot of things don't matter anymore. In fact, that is most things. 
And if we were to look at water, there is the same amount of water that is on this planet right now as there was millions of years ago. But as we know, water is very differently used today as it was millions of years ago. We know that water will recycle itself, but we also know because we are using water a lot more quickly than we have used in the past, it's not able to clean itself quickly enough. So that leaves us in the water treatment industry a challenge to how do we use water where it is and reuse that to make sure that water is being as efficient as it possibly could and we are keeping it in the same place for as long as we can. If this job wasn't hard enough, boy, that is a challenge. And today, we are going to talk about that very thing, and we're going to interview the executive director of an organization that's doing that each and every day. Here's the interview. My lab partner is Pat Sinecropi, Executive Director of Water Reuse. Welcome, Pat. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Well, I was hoping that uh, you would mind telling the Scaling Up Nation a bit about yourself. Well, uh, I'm the Executive Director of the Water Reuse Association. I've been with the association for five years. Um, and prior to coming on board as Executive Director I was legislative director for three water organizations, the National Association of Clean Water Agencies, uh, which represents the municipal wastewater sector under the Clean Water Act, the Water Environment Federation. And uh, prior to that, I worked with the Rural Community Assistance Programs. So I had a deep background in helping the water sector to uh, achieve their goals of clean and safe water. I'm curious, why did you decide to get in the world of water? Well, you know, as everything, career choices, to some extent you choose your career and to some extent the career chooses you. And I think it was a little bit of both. I was with the Clinton administration where I did a lot of uh, policy work with respect to smart cities, sustainable cities, livable communities. And um, after that, I became, as I mentioned, involved with the Rural Community Assistance Programs, which provide technical assistance to water and wastewater utilities in very small communities. And I've always had an interest in policies and advocacy around the importance of providing resources to communities to ensure a good quality of life for the residents. So, you know, when it's often said in our in the water field, when you become a water geek, you're always a water geek because you fall in love with with the challenges that the issues represent, but more so the people. It's a great sector, great people. And I just, you know, from there, just continued on the path, I suppose. I have found all of that to be true for myself as well. We talked about water reuse. What is that organization and what should our members know about it? Well, the Water Reuse Association, it's a 30-year-old plus organization originally founded in California to represent the municipal 
community and the business community involved in providing uh, recycled water for a variety of applications. I would say when the organization began in 1990, a lot of the focus and the use of recycled water was for irrigation and agricultural uh, cultivation, um, and then eventually moved and expanded to broader uses to include potable drinking water. In 2000, the association became a national association, and we've been operating at a national scale since that time. We provide advocacy, policy support, educational support, um, communication support for our members who are engaged in water recycling and for the broader public to learn more about water reuse and how it can help them face their water, uh, freshwater challenges. So we have about um, 450 members. Uh, We represent municipalities, businesses, and institutions um, that include universities, state government, federal government. So we are a fairly broad organization that represents many interests. As the executive director, what is your day-to-day like? Oh, dear. Well, my day-to-day <laughs> is <quite> busy. <laughs> Some of my day-to-day is, includes speaking with uh, media because we take very seriously our educational role and our public outreach role. So this is a, uh, we love speaking with, with the media about water recycling. I'm speaking with our members to check in and see how they're doing. I'm managing an association, so that requires a lot of oversight of our programming I try to provide staff with uh, support in the work that they're doing and also make sure that we are operating efficiently as as an association. So I'm on Capitol Hill. I talk to members on Capitol Hill. I talk to federal agency officials about policies, funding that the community needs. So a whole variety of, of things fill up my days. Well, we have the same amount of water today that we had many, many, many years ago, of course, since we all started using water, same amount, but we're now using it very differently. We're using more of it more often. And I know that's where you get involved. And there's so many ways to make sure we're recycling water properly. There's older technologies, newer technologies. I was hoping you could tell the Scaling Up Nation a little bit about what some of the options are when it comes to water reuse. Well, there are a wide variety of beneficial applications for the use of recycled water. As I mentioned earlier, agricultural and irrigation purposes. It was the case, and, and we're moving away from this, but I think we'll, we'll get back to it, that a large portion of the sector would pipe recycled effluent to farm fields or golf courses to help provide non-potable water to crops and large irrigation fields. Now we're seeing a lot more variety in the uses to include uh, advanced manufacturing uh, applications, cooling for large facilities. We're seeing the food and beverage industry and other industries that use water for their processes use more recycled water. And we're also seeing, I think, I would say the two latest developments of in the last five, 10 years has been a more dominant focus on using recycled water for potable supply. 
and using on-site systems to maintain the water on-site at facilities and use it for things like toilet flushing, as I mentioned, cooling. Those are some of the more direct applications. The other thing we're seeing is stormwater capture and reuse. And, you know, we think about water as something that comes through a pipe and we use it for whatever we need. The tap, we turn on the tap, use it for a variety of of purposes. But we're also seeing more interest in um, capturing rainwater and stormwater. And I'd say two main drivers for that. One in the West, when where rainfall can be scarce, when it happens, you want to be able to capture it and make the greatest use of it. And that often is capturing it and reusing it for cooling or irrigation. And then second, the second driver is water quality. Often stormwater in very built up areas will fall to pavement surfaces, collect a lot of contaminants and run off into surface water bodies that end up being polluted by the contaminants that the stormwater is conveying into those systems. So we're seeing more interest, interest growing on the part of urban environments or municipalities located in areas where water quality is becoming a problem, turning toward uh, stormwater capture and reuse. What are some of the technologies that are available to us for water reuse? Oh, a variety of, of technologies. We have, I think the one that is has been most popular is membrane filtration. Membrane filtration technology, reverse osmosis, pulls out a lot of constituents that are in the water supply. But we're also seeing new emerging technologies that can treat the water just as cleanly as membrane. And that includes biological activated carbon filtration. More and more communities are turning and thinking about biological activated carbon filtration, especially communities that can't manage the concentrate that is a byproduct of reverse osmosis and membrane technology. So we're seeing more technologies come onto the market, different technologies, different treatment systems, You can use biological activated carbon filtration with ozone prior to sending the water through the the filter. So there, you know, we're seeing adjustments to the treatment process and then more advancements in the filtration technology itself. Yeah, I want to bring light to your website. Lots of videos. Some are very easy to understand on a lot of the technologies that you just mentioned. And you all have put together a fantastic resource that if somebody wants to learn more about what they can do, it's right there at their fingertips. Oh, thank you. Thanks for saying that. We work hard on on maintaining the website. We have a great communications director whom you've worked with already, Ben Glickstein. He does a great job of maintaining our website. You know, so much of what we do now is on online, on the web. People do Google searches all the time, want to know what's available, how to research information. And we try to be a resource for folks who are new to the industry, the general public, as well as for professionals who have been doing this for a long time, but may not know a lot about recycling, uh, water recycling. So appreciate you noting that. 
Absolutely. What are some success stories that you can share? I know you work with companies, you work with individuals. What are some success stories that your organization has had with them? Well, one of the most recent success story, exciting success story is uh, watching the Orange County groundwater replenishment system come online and complete its final expansion project, which they celebrated just this past Friday in Orange County, California. This is a system that is providing now 130 million gallons a day to residents in Southern California. It's providing pure recycled water, as good as any purified water you would get in a bottle off the store shelf. It's a project that has been in the making for, I'd say, over 20 years. Started as a pilot project, began uh, at a small, I think, 10 MGD scale, expanded to 80 MGD, and now fully expanded at 130 MGD of pure water a day. It's the world's largest indirect potable reuse facility. Um, And it's right here in the United States in Southern California. So we're very excited about that. We're excited that one of our important members in El Paso, Texas, will be unveiling and I think launching in 2025 their direct potable reuse facility, which will remove the environmental barrier and just send recycled effluent from the treatment, wastewater treatment facility to the drinking water distribution And beyond that, I would say the adoption of on-site treatment systems at scale. We're seeing a lot of neighborhoods, a lot of large city neighborhoods adopting on-site recycling systems that allow them to uh, keep water on-site, not not put a lot of that volume on, on the aging infrastructure that we so often confront and enable developers and businesses to be in a little more control over the water supply that they need. If you had to estimate how many gallons you were putting back, what would you think that number might be? Oh, geez. Oh, you stomped me on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Nationally, I think we're probably at 8 to 10%. Wow. And I think the number is about 300 billion gallons of water is used every day in the U.S., um, moved around somehow, so 30 million gallons. It's not a small number. Yeah, 300. What is that? 10, 10% is not a small number. I guess that would be 3 billion. We had a guest not too long ago, episode 303, and he brought our attention to replenishing groundwater supply just as you just did. Uh, I don't think a lot of people think about it. We take the groundwater, we use it, and then it never goes back. And eventually, it's not going to be there for us. You mentioned some things that you're working with, but are there additional items that you want our audience to know about that issue? Well, that's a very good point you raise. Managed aquifer recharge is becoming more and more important and will become more and more important, certainly in the Ogallala water aquifer and in the Imperial Basin of California, uh, the breadbasket for the country. We are seeing rapid deterioration of groundwater supplies. And it is exactly because, as you say, we sort of take for granted that when the rain comes, it falls to the ground and 
somehow in the back of our mind when we were school children, we learned about the water table and the underground water that's about 10, 15, 30, 50 feet, however many feet underground it is. And if you drill far enough, you'll find water. Well, you know, that's no longer something we can take for granted because of the overpumping that has occurred. And because in places where their rainfall was abundant, that's no longer the case. So I think managed aquifer recharge is going to be and is becoming a much more uh, acceptable and utilized process for addressing uh, water shortages. And essentially managed aquifer recharge is recycled water, putting highly advanced, advanced treated uh, water into the ground, restoring those, those aquifer supplies. So it's an important approach to water recycling. You were recently in my hometown of Atlanta. Can you tell us about the conference that recently was had? Oh, we had a great time. Atlanta's a great city. I love Atlanta. We have an annual symposium. It occurs in March every year. We, this year we held it in Atlanta and um, brought together close to 800 water professionals from around the country for three days worth of learning talking about the uh, latest advancements in, in water recycling. We have an annual symposium, as I said, every year. Next year, next March, it's in Denver. We'll be going to Denver. We're excited about that. But Atlanta was great. We were at the downtown Marriott Marquis. It was a terrific hotel in a, a great part of town. And we had we attended the aquarium for an evening. Isn't that a great place? It's a great place. Great place, lots of fun, beautiful fish, <laughs> large. I think, I, I think it's the world's largest aquarium. I'm not sure if that, when it was built, it was. I'm not sure if it still is. Yeah, well, they did a great job hosting us. And Atlanta has some great showcase examples of recycling. The Mercedes-Benz facility uses, the stadium uses an on-site system. Our members visited uh, the Piedmont Hospital, which is coming online this year. It's showcasing a recycled water system. The aquarium uses an on-site recycled water system. There's a lot of recycling going on in Georgia. So we were, we were really pleased that we could uh, bring the symposium to Georgia and, and the Southeast. What can we expect from next year's symposium? Well, next year we're going to, as I said, we're going to be in Denver, Mile High City, in the middle of the Colorado River. Of course, we'll be spending a lot of time talking about what's happening in the Colorado River Basin, what the seven basin states are doing to um, try to extend that resource as much as possible. So I think it's going to be a, a good, uh, a great few days in Denver. Of course, it's ski season, so a lot of folks will be coming out to take advantage of the great Rocky Mountain ski areas, and I encourage them to do so. I'm looking forward to that but I think it's going to be a fun time. I'm sure you're looking for papers and abstracts. Uh, if people are listening and want to submit, what should they do? Well, come to our website. We should be unveiling our call for, we'll be distributing our call for abstracts in June. We'll be posting it on our website and uh, we invite water professionals everywhere to submit an abstract and, and be part of the discussions uh, in Denver. Pat, you have an open mic to 20,000 industrial water treaters. What do you want them to know? I want them to know that water recycling can solve their water issues, whatever they are. 
It may not always be the silver bullet, but it is an essential ingredient in the water portfolio strategy that they're adopting uh, for their water needs. It provides a safe, secure, reliable source of water. And the technology these days are such that they produce a very high quality, pure, very pure product. So if they haven't already penciled out and mapped out a water recycling project for their facility, they they really do need to do so and uh, come to the Water Reuse Association's website, come to the Water Reuse Association to join and become part of the water reuse family and uh, be part of the solution. We will make sure to have all of those links on our show notes page so people can easily find that. Well, I appreciate you giving us this time and speaking with you today on the podcast. It sounds like your listeners come from a variety of different industries. One important thing we are looking at is advocating in Congress for an industrial reuse tax credit that will be targeted for industries looking to adopt uh, water recycling practices. So if they want to learn more about that, they can come to our website waterreuse.org and learn more about the uh, industrial tax credit campaign that we were about to launch. Well, Pat, I want to thank you so much for coming on the Scaling Up H2O podcast and educating our members on water reuse, both the organization and making sure that we're putting the water we use to the best use possible. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Nation, I hope you are thinking about water in so many different ways and you're thinking how you can help this situation. Of course, you can get a lot of that information from Water Reuse and we will have links directly to that on our show notes page. One of the things we became very aware of in episode 303 with Dr. Rakesh was we are not replenishing the groundwater table as quick as we need to. And just imagine, someday in the very near future, it could be possible that that water table that we always rely on won't be there. So Nation, we are in the perfect situation to help with that issue and so many more. So I urge you to learn what you can do for yourself and for your customers to bring this information together with them so we can continue to impact the most incredible issue that we face on this planet. On a lighter note, I want to tell you about one of the things that I look forward to every quarter, and I'm talking about the hang. Our next hang is going to be July 13th, and if you've never been on a hang, you are missing out. A hang started during COVID where we just miss seeing each other. And it has morphed into water treaters coming together to talk about things just like we talked about on this very episode, but also to network, to meet each other, to meet somebody that will answer a question that you haven't even thought of yet. When I think of all the questions that I've asked people in my water treatment career, 
I had to meet them first to know that I could use them as a resource to get the answer. And that's what the hang is. The hang is meant to bring people in our industry together so we can network, so we can make our industry better. So to find out more about The Hang, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash hang, that's H-A-N-G. And again, one more time, it's gonna be on July 13th at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I can't wait to see you on the next Hang. Here are a few things that you may want to add to your calendar. The International Water Association is having their international conference on eco-technologies for wastewater treatment in Spain, June 26th through 29th. This event aims to discuss the latest cutting-edge eco-technologies for a sustainable transition in wastewater treatment. If this is something that interests you, you can find out more by going to our show events page. Also, October 22nd through 25th, the Association of Metropolitan Water Agencies is having their Executive Management Conference in Coronado, California. This is your opportunity to network with peers to hear the latest thinking on water utility management practices and regulatory and legislative developments affecting the water sector. Nation, for all of these and more... You don't have to memorize them. You don't have to take your hands off the wheel to take notes. By all means, never do that while listening to this podcast. You can simply go to scalinguph2o.com and there is everything that we talked about on this episode and every other episode right there for your viewing pleasure. There are so many people that are using the Scaling Up H2O website as their place to start their learning journey. We have well over 300 episodes of content that we have curated so it's easy for you to start your learning journey. It's my hope that you go to scalinguph2o.com today and learn about whatever it is you want to start your journey on. Nation, you know learning is a journey, and our captain for navigating us week to week on our learning journey is James McDonald. Hello and welcome to the Periodic Water Table with James, where we think and learn about water chemistry drop by drop. Please use your week to search online, ask your colleagues, or even pick up a book to learn more about each week's periodic water table topic. If you do, at the end of the year, you'll be 52 water chemistry smarter. So let's raise the water table of knowledge together and get started. Today's topic is... Film forming amines, or FFA. What are film forming amines? Within which systems are they used and for what? What concentrations are recommended for film-forming amines? How are they first dosed to a system? What could be the impact if not properly dosed? Are film-forming amines just a single chemical formula, or are there multiple film-forming amines available? Can you test for film-forming amines? Are there any possible negative impacts upon applying a film-forming amine to a system? How do today's film-forming amines compare to those of yesteryear? When would film-forming amines be used in place of other traditional industrial water chemicals? Remember, knowledge is power, 
and taking the time to learn more about water chemistry each week will help make you a force to be reckoned with. Be sure to post what you learned to social media and tag it with hashtag watertable23 and hashtag scalinguph2o. I look forward to learning more from you. Thank you, James. Filming a means was one of the topics that I think eluded a lot of people. And when we first started the podcast, this was way back in June of 2019. So we had about two years under our belt at that time. But I knew that people had a lot of questions about filming a means because they told me they had those questions. So I had Meredith Kabari expert on filming amines come and talk with us about all things filming amines so if you want to learn even more about filming amines you can look at episode 89 90 and 91 all about filming amines and that might answer some of the questions that james just challenged us with so once again thank you james and thank you, Meredy, for making this challenge maybe a little bit easier. Scout Up Nation, we're going to have a brand new episode for you next week, as we always do. Until then, try to help us have the next episode by going to scalinguph2o.com and letting us know what you want us to talk about. Any and all ideas are welcome. And we have a show because you help us have a show. So let us know what you want to hear, and that will help us with our schedule. If anybody watches Dirty Jobs with Mike Rowe, he asks each and every viewer on each and every episode to help them find the next job. And Nation, it's always been my fear that after 10 episodes of this podcast, I was going to run out of ideas and you make it so that is not the case. I want to thank you for that. And again, my gift for you is to have a new episode each and every week. Have a great week, folks. Scale Up Nation, you asked for it and it is here. So many of you are taking the Certified Water Technologist examination and you're wanting to get better information on how to better answer the mock exam. Now, this is the exam that you get when you sign up for the CWT exam. Well, I have heard your request and I've done exactly that. I have recorded a class that has exactly what you've been asking for. It is me answering each one of the questions and letting you know why I chose certain answers. And of course, everybody wants me to do math and I do all the math on the mock exam. So you can see how to get the right answer. And I hope this is something that will help build your confidence so you can get your certification. You can go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash CWT prep. Once again, that's scalinguph2o.com forward slash CWT prep. Get out there and get your certification today.